Hey, Mary, we talk a lot about reading here at the Reading Teachers Lounge. We should probably spend some time discussing how we help our readers become writers. This is the Reading Teachers Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. This is episode 19 of the Reading Teachers Lounge podcast, Authentic Writing. Hi, I'm Mary Sagoffi. I'm a reading tutor and I've taught in all elementary grades. I have Orton Gillingham training and I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. I love talking all things teaching um, and I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. And hey, I'm Shannon Betts and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. So Shannon, um, you're right. We definitely need to address writing a bit because reading and writing, as you know, go hand in hand. They're all part of our ELA blocks. Um, But I do find that for me, writing is a little bit more challenging to teach to my students because they tend to be more hesitant. Um, If they're hesitant readers, they tend to be hesitant writers. And so I find it to be a little bit challenging. I, I don't think it's just for your dyslexic students. I think we see it in the classroom with all students. Writing is one of the hardest subjects to teach, in my opinion. And we uh, are asking the students to do a lot of writing in every subject in the of the school day. And yet we don't have a ton of resources sometimes to teach writing and then also um, limited training into how to be good writing teachers ourselves. And not only that, I think good writing takes a lot of time sometimes. Um, It depends on, you know, the kid's interest and um, really like how comfortable they are. And sometimes you need more time to write and sometimes you need less time to write and sometimes you need, but time is always of the essence, isn't it? That's true. That's true. So um, for me, um, I have used a number of really great writing programs that I've loved and really enjoyed, um, but nevertheless, it's still been challenging for me. So I used the Lucy Calkins Writer's Workshop, and I loved doing that. I taught that mostly when I was in kindergarten. Um, And then um, our school used Thinking Maps programming, and we did Thinking Maps Writing, which is um, a way of doing a visual organizer. Um, They don't like the term graphic organizer because it's really a way of like mind mapping all of your thoughts. Um, It's a really excellent program and I use thinking maps all the time even when I'm going to the grocery store to organize myself to um, go grocery shopping. So it really changed the way I I thought about how I teach all subjects when I learned thinking maps. Um, And now I'm working with some older students and I'm, I'm realizing that there are still some gaps that I really need to cover. And so I found a new writing resource called The Writing Revolution. I've never heard of that one. This one is really great. And um, on a lot of the boards that I follow on Facebook and people who are teaching Orton Gillingham, they are really using this new writing revolution. So I'm going to link to it. But today I thought we would spend a little more time like just kind of like hashing out the writing process. Um, And let's talk a little bit about authentic writing. 
um, because I think that the key to getting kids interested in writing is giving them something that's so meaningful and gives them some purpose and they are really invested and engaged. I love that. Yeah. So I have two big signs that hang in my room and one says reading is thinking Mm -hmm. and the other one, um, I added a few years ago, that wouldn't have been up for years in my room. And then I added one just a few years ago when we adopted the Lucy Calkins curriculum. And I, I wanted to say writing is something. And it took me a while to figure it out of what I wanted to put in that blank. But the poster now says writing is sharing. Oh, that's lovely. And that was the verb I ended up picking because it really is. It's like you take what's in your head and it's in your heart and you put it out on paper. And so, and a friend of mine called your voice is actually literally in between your head and your heart um, on your body because your throat is in the middle vertically. And that's your voice is what comes out when you speak and your voice is what comes out when you write. And so it's very personal. And you, um, when you write, you're sharing yourself and that can, that, you know, that's a vulnerable thing. And then you're also writing a lot of times for an audience And so you get, you feel vulnerable and nervous because someone's going to read it. And a lot of students, um, have probably had negative writing experiences in the past where that red pen comes out or they were told immediately, Oh, that's not good enough. You need to fix that sentence or you need to fix that story. Yeah. I'm so glad that's how you kind of like bridged your story because what I was thinking was as you were speaking about your head and your heart and your voice and and sharing like my heart was literally warmed and I was so excited and I think that um early on in their uh school careers kids feel that way and you're absolutely right as soon as they feel like their voice is not good enough or their writing is not good enough um it it it, it gets tucked away and they go to a protective place and writing becomes something they dread wow oh that's really eye-opening for me um you know, just to even think of it that way, because it's so true. I know that my kids, I always say my kids, but I mean really all kids are, are vulnerable that way. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to like sort of take some of this time to kind of hash out like what is the writing process and how do you address it in your room? Because all of these curriculums are actually really wonderful resources, but I often find that if the kids are not actually doing the work, if the kids are just following the prescription or they're doing the prescriptive and not actually having ownership in it, then they just check out or they're not as engaged. They are, then you see sort of similarly, you know, the big secret we talked about in our previous episode that they're not reading well. Well, the big secret is also I can't write well. And you see behaviors when that happens. Sometimes it's hiding behaviors. And sometimes we'll have high readers and low writers. Right. And yes, I'm quite well aware of those high readers or people who have finally cracked the code and they still struggle so much. Expressing themselves in writing. There seems to be a big disconnect um, with a lot of the students that I work with um, for various reasons that it is so hard to get what's in their head on the paper. Right. And so that's the first part of the writing process, and that's the planning and pre-writing. And I think that what's so tricky about a traditional school setting is that there isn't as much time that really probably should be given to the planning and pre-writing piece. Um, 
if you're a teacher. It's too rushed, right? It's too rushed. So if you're a teacher, you've actually spent more time thinking, planning, and having thoughts about whatever topic you're presenting to your students. So even if you're modeling writing, you're not actually fully modeling your entire plan process because you've had insight to it. So um, when you are planning on writing something for you, you know yourself, let's say you're writing an email, um, you have to go through the thought process. You need to actually imagine who is your audience and what is the purpose. And for kids, they often skip that step. Mm -hmm. It's, I have ideas, I need to get them on the paper, but they literally may need to have some quiet time to stop, think, and imagine the entire conversation that they want to have with the person who's reading their writing. Um, they need to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It needs to be cohesive. It can't be jumping all around, and you can't jump from the piece where you have one random thought and put it on your paper. Um, so the, I'm glad you're saying all this because we're about to start a new writing project at the end of this week. Okay. And so I, in my lesson plans, I did not give them enough time to plan. And this is an important project because it's related to our reading because um, we're in our character unit. And yeah. so we're looking at how characters um, respond to challenges. And we've been reading a ton of mentor text about that and analyzing it and reading. And so now I want the students to apply it in writing and design yeah. a character that is going through challenges and then uh -huh. how that character responds to each challenge as it crops up in the story. And that's going to require a lot of planning. They can't just immediately start writing that. They're going right. to need to what, like close their eyes, visualize the story, imagine a reader reading it, maybe tell a friend I mean, talk it out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say it next out. is actually to talk it out, draw a picture and sketch it out, um, you know, come up with a plan and then that's the pre-writing piece. Okay. And so you need to have a separate pre-writing piece. Once you can answer each part of your story, so who are your characters, what happens in the beginning, the middle and the end, if you're an older student, do you have an introduction, body paragraphs and a conclusion? If you can talk to another person and say the purpose of my introduction is and be able to chat that out, then you're ready for the draft. Oh, wow. So I that was so it's not just pre-writing on Monday, drafting on Tuesday, revising on Wednesday. Exactly. Okay. I have to give credit where this is due. This is not my own idea, but I do follow Seth Perler, who is um, a 2E coach, and he does a lot of work with executive functioning, and he coaches a lot of people kindergarten through college and, and beyond. And so he wanted to just chat about plain English. So these are the notes that I took from his little video blog. So I'll also link to that. But um, for me, I wanted to talk about this like in relation to writing and, and our conversation about this. So once again, if, after you can answer the, the purpose of your introduction and your body paragraphs and each of those paragraphs and your conclusion, then you're ready to start and he, he calls it um, just mental vomit. You just start <laughs> writing and writing, and you don't worry so much about spelling or the conventions at that point. You're oh, just the students getting... get so worried about that. We have to really train them on how to just write, 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 because they pause in that flow of the words. Exactly. How do you spell this word? What, what do I need to do here? Well, and that's also when the ideas get so mixed up. If you're not 
if you don't have a solid plan going in. And it doesn't mean that it can't change. It can change in the draft form. But if you are not solid, you don't want your ideas going all over okay. the place. And then what really gets ugly is if they're doing such a good job of getting all their ideas on the paper, then they realize that, oh, that doesn't make sense. And then they have to get out the eraser. And then second grade is a perfect example. Well, Lucy Calkins in the newest curriculum, it doesn't, she says no pencils. She says pens. Uh, and because she wants them to just be doing that drafting and that furious kind of writing where, right. you know, well, and that the vomit is so kind. important because I think it is the, um, you know, kids get so well, but even then, even if you're using a pen, I still have those kids that are just Xing out and Xing out or erasing to the point of holes in the paper. And it, it is a frust writing is a vulnerable and frustrating process. I don't think that we should, pretend that it's not for some kids, but it is also so enjoyable and so gratifying when you can be really proud of your work. So then that kind of leads to this next piece, which is the revising and editing. And I'm putting these together because it's really like a circular process. And I love um, how Seth describes it. He says it's like sculpting with clay. And when you're revising, you're just smoothing out and making your ideas a lot more clear. And you're, you know, making sure that you can really get the entire vision. But a lot of students think that revising and editing are the same thing. Correct. They think that you're just fixing the periods and the capital and letters and the spelling. Separate. And that's the editing. Right. So the editing, I always used um, COPS in my classroom, which is capitalization, organization, punctuation. Um, punctuation, spelling. And if you're working with older students, then maybe you use the acronym MUGS, which is mechanics, usage, grammar, and spelling. And I, I still like that because our kids really do need to have that mental checklist of going through. They also have to know, okay, if I'm checking for organization, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so when I would teach organization, I would say not only does it have to look right, like spaces between each of the words, but the words need to be in the correct order, and that's your organization. Okay. So spacing between the words and order. And so sometimes we would say order, but then I found it, that's not exactly accurate. And I know that sometimes people use the acronym CUPS and they use understanding um, to make sure that it makes sense. So that, that works too. Um, and so you said revising and editing are like a circular thing, circular. but you do start with revising first. I say you start with revising first because you want to get a clear mental picture, whoever your audience is. And so I love this part too. Seth, in a separate blog, he really talks a lot about who are you writing to? Who is your audience and what is the purpose? And continuously throughout writing, those two concepts need to be in the forefront of your mind. That's a tough order for some of our small writers. It's not impossible, but they do yeah, need to a, be... It requires empathy. It, yes, and it requires the teacher coaching and guiding and modeling throughout the entire process. And that's a tricky order in a classroom and that it requires really strong behavior management systems in place. And so our job is really, truly, you know, difficult sometimes, but you don't have to be the only person who's editing and helping revise. Cause the students can help each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, if I'm writing an email um, that I'm like nervous about, I'm going to have my husband check it or True. I'll have a friend yeah. check it. Yeah. 
And that's authentic modeling. You know, like I would definitely tell my students that and say, what do you think about this? Does that make sense? Is it clear? That happens on a you know weekly basis in my house still. Um, and so, or, you know, you have a colleague read over something before you send it. Um, that is real life. I, I didn't even think about that, but we do revise and edit a lot in, all the time. in real life writing situations. Yeah. One of my favorite things in the Lucy Calkins program is how she handles revising mm-hmm. and she calls them revising strips. And yeah. I never heard of that until we adopted the units of study, but it's these little like one sixteenth sheets, you know, strips of paper, um, and you keep like a little masking tape or scotch tape with those little strips of paper. And if the students want to um, maybe add some extra adjectives to the sentence or an adverb, or if they want to, um, you know, add another phrase at the end to add more details or to change up the order of a sentence, then they would just write it on the strip of paper, the new words, and then they would tape it over the original draft. And so you could kind of lift it up and still see the um, original words underneath, but then the new words were on top. And we knew as we, you know, we know as we go through the writing process when the revising has been done, because we can see those revising strips on there. And so now they're not having to write on their original draft. So we can see all their first words, but this is proof that they have thought about their well, word choice. I think especially for our young writers, having the pencil paper tasks like that and then mm-hmm. showing what like copy paste looks like or showing how you would delete something out. Um, using a computer is a really valuable skill, but when kids delete lines, then they delete a whole line. Yes. And, and that can be a really frustrating um, experience for the kids as well. And so, you know, modeling how you're typing it, modeling how you're writing it. I love those sentence strip. That's, I love that. I think that's a really great idea. I don't remember using that, but maybe that was because, well, who knows? Cause it was a long time ago. When I that. <laughs> well, it might be in part of her new curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I think the other really important piece to that is to help your students um, remember that it's not personal criticism. Like you don't have to like all of the advice that another person is critiquing you with, and you don't have to take all of the advice that another person is critiquing. However, you can't take it personally either. And so it's this walking the fine line of vulnerability in your writing. I usually choose students. um, We'll do that a lot of times in author's chair and closure time. And at the beginning, I'll choose the students that are a little more resilient emotionally that can handle that criticism. And so then we'll say, okay, well, what do we think about this? And we'll have it on the overhead. And then the students are, you know, giving critiques and suggestions of, oh, well, you could do the words here or this part's unclear. And um, I don't choose my most sensitive students at the beginning for that. And we usually, um, sometimes they never you know, or in the author's chair part for that sort of revising, editing, sharing. Yeah, I Um, agree with that. I think that that's, that, that piece is essential, but it's also really difficult and tricky sometimes to meet those students where, because they don't want to share, they don't want to be vulnerable. Um, 
Anyway, I, I am all ears to some really great techniques that teachers use um, to work with those vulnerable writers. I think the, that we can definitely share some great ideas. So send them our way, please. And I will link to, I have learned so much in the last year from um, a Facebook group I'm in called the Reading and Writing Strategies Community. And it was started by Jennifer Sarvalo, who wrote the Target books that we love so much, mm-hmm. the Reading Strategies book and the Writing Strategies book. And teachers that are ooh, <laughs> so much even more creative than me in literacy lessons um, share amazing ideas in that group. And I'm constantly bookmarking things and, Oh, I got to try that with my students. Oh, I need to try that with my students because um, teachers around the country are really doing, um, they're actually able to um, really do authentic reading writing with students. And sometimes I feel like in some places that's really encouraged in other places we get so bogged down with like the nitty gritty of the classroom and teaching all the standards that we don't feel like we have enough time to really dig deep in readers and writers workshop. And so I learn so much when I read about what teachers are doing in their classrooms. um, I I, like shout out to really encouraging administrators who, you know, value teachers time that way. And like, you know, I loved so much our, um, I had a principal who would come in and she would model writing with the kids as well. And I think that that's such a valuable experience. I know that time is of the essence, but like if you are a great writer and you can model that to some special classes, I think that that is really amazing and like such a gift. So if you have a great talented principal or, you know, administrator that you know, don't forget that you could invite them into your classroom too. My high school principal would always come in and teach a math unit every year. He never wanted to forget what it was like to teach. I love, I just, I think that that's really special and beautiful. All right, before I get too far away from writing, because we don't want to forget, it's easy to. You get through the editing process. You're in your final draft. Don't forget, it's not done until you turn it in. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes we do get to this, like, very polished piece and, um, or sometimes if you're a perfectionist or you have students who are perfectionistic and it's never quite the way that they really want it. Um, sometimes I tell my kids that it's as perfect as you're willing to make it or as perfect as time is going to allow us to make it. I like that. So I share with the students a lot. I follow a lot of um, authors on Twitter and Facebook. So Kate DiCamillo, who wrote the Mercy Watson series and Tale of Despero, mm-hmm. and uh, Because of Win Dixie, uh, Patricia Palacco, who's such an amazing author, and some others. And they are open about the how they are doing the writing process and yeah. they'll, you know, make posts like, Oh, I have to meet with my editor and I have to cut out a hundred pages or I need to fix these 50 pages. I need to rewrite oh, yeah. chapter 10. And I'll show sometimes those posts to the students and say, look, these writers that we love, they have an editor. They have yeah. to write drafts. They're not published until, you know, we get it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. And yeah. Oh, that's really impressive. I never thought to include it that way. That's a really great little, um, side note and technology is really incredible like how you and I can access these like really great educators you know just right and just yes and, yes um yeah if you are not part of professional communities on Facebook teachers are taking social media by storm which is really exciting and um it's a great way to share so um okay so I wanted to open this up and say that 
you know, we love um, authentic writing. I'm going to give an example of something that I do with my kids that I work with. We often write um, a letter either at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year to the new teacher that the students are going to be working with, either their special education teacher or their general ed teacher, really any adult who works with them. And it's a self-advocacy letter. And it's, hey, this is me. These are the things that I'm really good at. You may not know this about me. Um, I My goal this year is such and such. And some of the things that I struggle with are really hard. You might notice me struggling because I will, blah, blah, blah. And all of these um, things are just so powerful for the kids to finally get on paper. And now that it's on paper, they don't have to say it to the teacher. Um, but I did have a, a student who read hers and her mom recorded her. And it just was like such a beautiful, lovely tribute to who she was at that time when she was about 10 and how her self-advocacy skills had kind of blossomed from. And so, Right, every year that they rediscover that letter or find it and say, yeah. oh, that's who I was then. It's a little bit like having a time capsule or something. It's, I love finding old diaries and reading them or even old to-do lists right, that about, I wrote 10 years ago and what I felt was important. Yeah, me too. No, I love going back or even even like, you know, going back when you can find pictures that you had posted on social media like a couple of years before or, or post captions, that you yeah. yeah, it's so funny. Um, anyway, so what I wanted to just throw out there is um, what ideas do you have for authentic writing? How can we share those ideas and post, you know, your great teaching ideas or things that you've seen um, and get more people to know about them? Yeah, we'll share them on the website, all the ideas that y'all that y'all um, share with us. And so um, don't forget to go to readingteacherslounge.com. You probably listen to this on a different podcast app, but if you go to our actual website and search by episode, you'll see all the resources in one place with the show notes mm -hmm. and any photographs or videos or anything else that we um, discuss in the episode. And so it's a little bit like a blog post for each episode. And you can also reach us um, through our Facebook page, and you can also reach us. Um, yeah, we have a new... Facebook page. I don't think we've told people that yeah, before. Yeah, this is kind of a new development. Uh, so it's a little sparse, but it, we want it to grow. So give us some comments on there, and also um, like us and share us with friends. If you uh, are uh, the Instagram type and you would like to share on Instagram, that would be welcome as well. We, we have, have a Twitter. Posted. I didn't even tell you that. Oh, I, Look at us social media. I know. Things. Well, like, so Reading Teachers Lounge is too long for oh. a Twitter name. So we're Read Teach Lounge. Oh. That was the best I could do. Like, All right. Read Teach Lounge. Believe it Twitter. or not, RTL Podcast was taken. Oh. But I was like, no, but I don't remember that anyway. So, like, Read Teach Lounge. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Sounds it's great. something. Reach so. out to us on social media because we do love to listen um, to the stories from the teachers who follow us and we're passionate about we want you to people. join the conversation yeah exactly all right thank you to jordan thank for you the to music Kumker for the music thank you to allison zane for um, providing the artwork um and don't forget to check out our website thanks everyone <laughs>